This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It's Monday, November 19th. November 19th. Hello. November 1st. <laughs> I, you know what I was going to say? We're 18 days away from opening day at uh, Park City Mountain Resort. It is November 1st, 2021. And we're giving away an Xbox. Uh, all you have to do is hit subscribe, take a picture that you're subscribed, and then tag us on Twitter, Instagram, or the Cock Talk ticker, uh, The Monty Show. M O N T Y, The Monty Show. Wow. Or SLC Supercars, if you just want to see pictures of cars, Jake's car, is it, trust, just ask him. Um, you don't even have to ask. Just go to Jake's Twitter, and you'll see like 8,000 pictures of his stupid car. Anyways, why do you have a shelf on your trunk? Like, do you store stuff on yeah, that Yeah, store storage space. It's like a bookshelf? Yeah. Uh, anyway, you can see pictures of Jake's uh, WRX, which is fine. Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, I mean, cool. it All is right. what it is. Yeah, good, good uh, we already have a uh, filtered comment. From oh, okay. What, what does it say? BYU fan CJ said something to somebody that got him filtered this morning. Guess what? Today, Monday, motherfucker. That's right. Take it easy. It's Monday. We only have three shows this week, by the way. Don't forget, we'll be off Thursday and Friday. Uh, a week from now, our trip to Mammoth will be over. Why do you keep saying that? It, Stop. It'll be, it'll be over. Stop, um, dude. It'll be done. So um, there's been a significant injury over the weekend that we have to talk about. Um, it was not good. Casa de Monte was not a happy place. Uh, that's HIPAA? Yeah, it is HIPAA, but we're going to talk about it anyways. We have to talk about trick-or-treating decorum because I don't know about you MFers, but when you're out here in daybreak, I mean, I had no idea so many people lived in daybreak and – drove panel vans around the neighborhood to drop um. their kids off. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up. Like, who does that? Uh, but obviously, we have to start with San Diego State football. Right, yeah. Uh, the comments are all over it already. <laughs> already. Yeah. Uh, rectangle with a number three. WR with a number three. Uh-huh. Rectangle. Says, how about them Aztecs? <laughs> um, you know. Eric C. says, Jaron Hall. Uh-huh. 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 Um, Brylark says, morning, boys. Cowboys still getting it done. Okay. Nyguy says, morning, gents. Hello. Um, the Blind Swordsman says, morning, boys. Great outing by BYU and the Jazz. Meh. By my Broncos. Jeremy Bolton says, sup, fellas. Sup. Um, let's rip Jaron Hall for a while because Jeremy Bolton's here. Um, okay. So, Jaron Hall sucked and is a terrible quarterback. How do you explain what happened to BYU? And I don't know that there really is a way to explain it. I mean, frankly, I don't know that anybody could have predicted 66 points um, coming from this offense. But I think very clearly we saw something out of BYU that we've been waiting for for just about a month now. And, you know, my my feeling is that things – my opinion has significantly changed on Jaron Hall. I still think he's an average thrower of the football. But – it is very clear that the play calling in this offense has got to improve and become more consistent 
because I saw a guy that effectively threw the football underneath that effectively used his legs to create opportunities for other players, including Tyler Algier. I just don't understand where this play calling has been, Jake. Yeah, I, so I agree with you that I still think that Jaron is is an average throw of the football, but I but I think that what what we learned out of this Virginia game is that he can do enough to win you games. He can do enough to um, to win you games through the air, and and so the the next if we just keep kind of you know moving up or down the chart here, like you know the next person that I would ask questions about, yeah, is Aaron Roderick, right? The guy, you know, calling all the plays, and I think that. You know, what really stood out to me is you started this game off, you know, really, really hot, right? You get three scores. Everything's awesome. You know, oh, my God, let's go. Let's go and tweet the Monty show and tell them how stupid they are about Jaron Hall. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Then all of a sudden, your offense couldn't do anything. They came back and all of a sudden you have this crazy ball game happening. And so what was really impressive to me is that BYU was able to stay calm and they were able to continue to move the ball down the field and, and, and do things. So. To me, I just didn't understand why when Virginia was was in the in the midst of that comeback, why the play calling for BYU offensively got conservative. All of a sudden, you went from going way down the field and being aggressive and playing hurry up to not playing hurry up to everything's underneath and we're just going to kind of, you know, be methodical again. That's what I don't understand. And that to me after watching this game is the is really the core of the offensive issues because it, when you when you allow Jaron to throw the football down the field and you put him in a position to make a play, he typically is going to make that play. Now it's no secret that Virginia secondary isn't good. You know, it's no secret that this Virginia defense is not exactly you know something to write home about. But at the end of the day, you can only play who's in front of you. So when I look at the rest of the schedule. Um, you know, I would like them to continue to push the ball down the field. Be aggressive. What's the, what's the worst that's going to happen if you're being aggressive? He's going to throw an interception. That's part of the game. So that, to me, is what, what really stood out, just the inconsistency in the play calling, which has clearly led to, to issues for the offense. So you're 100% on play calling. Yes. I think there's a couple of things at play here. Well, Virginia sucks defensively. Right. <laughs> Let's just be yeah. honest. Virginia was not great. But I also think that Jaron Hall showed us some things that we had not seen from him yet. I mean, the 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 underneath passing is a weapon that we have been talking about on this show for three straight weeks, for two straight losses, for a team that so desperately needed to get a wide variety of of, of weapons involved. You finally saw that. And I, I don't believe now that Jaron Hall just didn't want to do that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there is a play calling issue at BYU. It is remarkably inconsistent. I think that the, the best point you make there is the, the go fast, then go super slow thing. Yeah. Like, why did you get away from what was working? Who thought that was a good idea to go? Because you were going fast and you were dominating them. And then, and then they score. And now we want to go slow? And you dominated right off the, the get for, on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like, BYU was winning the line of scrimmage right away. Why did you stop running the football? That's the other thing. Like, And I don't know if this is a Kalani being a defensive guy, so he just stays out of the offense. Like, I don't know. But when you look at how little running of the football happened consistently in the first half, and then the second half, 
All you did was run the football, it felt like. Yeah. And you're in this shootout. You're back and forth. I just don't understand the inconsistent play calling. And listen, I think scoring 66 points is incredible. That's great. It's something that, again, I don't think anybody could have predicted this. But you should have never been in that situation. You should have never been in a place where you needed 50 points to win this football game. And when you get out to a 21-0 lead and then you just hand it back to them, that's play calling offensively. Like the the second quarter was one of the most poorly executed coaching quarters that I have seen in the Kalani Satake era. Like I, I don't know what we were looking at. I don't know what the BYU coaching staff was thinking in the second quarter. I really don't. All of the throwing, all of the just like poor decision making. Yeah. Control the clock. Run the football. Tyler Algier had time and space and you stopped giving him the football. Like that's a coaching issue. That is not to me an issue with Jaron. And as as much as I still believe that Jaron Hall is is an average thrower of the football, he was really effective because he was running the ball. Like by design, keeping the football, using his legs, creating space, creating a doubt in the linebackers' minds. Where did that go to in the second quarter? Like, I just don't understand that. Yeah, and I, I think it, it really limits them. I think, you know, now what's the narrative in my head, what I'm thinking about is, okay, let's look back at a couple of these losses. Let's look at Baylor, for example. Baylor is a much better defensive team, right? They've got a lot more size. They've got a lot more ability, a lot more talent in that defense. However, think of it this way. What what could have been if they were consistently going down the field, if they were consistently, you know, pushing the envelope, if they were consistently putting pressure on the defense? Now, let's not forget that in that game, they took three to five big shots and Jaron missed most of them because he just underthrew everything. So there's like there's that give and take that we play, but I just can't help but feel that if this play calling had been consistent the way you know, we saw at times against Virginia that they, they would have won a couple of different games. So I guess, you know, to me, I I wish Jaron was better. I wish he was a more polished thrower of the football. But candy's a nuts, right? Like, we can wish and hope for things, but the fact is is that's not going to change right now. So I would just hope that the rest of the way here with Jaron, you continue to be aggressive because I think, I think the biggest thing is when, when you're calling plays that are aggressive and going down the field and really – you know, pushing the defense and putting pressure on them. Jaron does well in those situations. And then that helps Tyler, you know, because let's, let's also give Tyler Algier some credit here. The guy clearly is an NFL running back. The guy clearly should, you know, if he played it anywhere else besides BYU, if, like if he was in the SEC doing this, he'd be in the Heisman conversation. So, you know, the correct play calling also helps your running back, which then also helps everybody else. So I just wish that there was a consistent game plan week in and week out to to find this balance we saw against Virginia. Because I think against a good defense, you know, you put up 66 against Virginia. Against a good defense, that's probably 35, right? Against a defense that's capable and making plays, that's probably like 35 points. Yeah, I think it is one of those things where you just look at some of the numbers out of this game. I mean, the box score is almost meaningless um, in a game like this. But it it is shocking to me. Um, that you see how capable this offense is when you actually take the reins off of it. Yeah. You know, like just relax and let the guys play football. And I think sometimes we overthink offense. And 
I think, you know, like, obviously I understand why everybody's screaming for Algier to be in the Heisman conversation. He's not. And he doesn't belong in the conversation, frankly. But he is a hell of a running back. And I think he's a he is a, a great prospect that is underutilized. Yeah. Because of the way the offense is structured, um, because of the way you've called plays. And, and I think it's a really interesting question. I think very clearly in the Boise game, Jaron Hall was not healthy. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I I wonder how much healthier he was against Baylor after that 56-yard run. But we could still ask questions, though, right? So, like, when you're Aaron Roderick and you're controlling this offense, you get to choose who's playing, right? Like, you get to choose who's going to start this week. Obviously, you got to, you know, consult with Kalani, but, like, they make the decision together. So, to me, hello, series all Siri is just all up in my new Apple Watch 7 series. So, to me, you know, I'm like, hey, like, against against these teams where it's, Jaron was it's, hurt. It's gold. Yeah, it's gold. Yeah. My app, my seven series Apple Watch is gold. Okay. Do you, do you feel good? Uh, I'm done pimping. Go ahead. Okay, cool. All right. So anyway, the point I was just making is that it's very large to me. Yeah. Large and in charge. <laughs> I know uh, to me, the questions need to be around, you know, Aaron Roderick and not so much Jaron Hall at this point. That's my point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think when you – I mean, obviously you have some issues defensively that you're going to have to take care of because right. I think that you can't – you cannot continue – I don't know. It, what's the right way to say this? I just don't think – this team cannot continue to play from behind. <laughs> Bro, you gave a 50. I mean, you can't play from behind. It, it, it is – and again, I the headline of this show today is BYU shocks the college football world, and I think that's exactly what happened. Like, it is stunning to me – um, that, that you, I mean, 66 to 49 is not a score that anybody could have predicted. No, um, over 700 yards of offense, um, is not something anybody could have predicted. Um, you know, I, I look at the, you know, the, the fact that defensively you're struggling and we can sit here and we can talk about, uh, turnovers, but you got two interceptions in this game. Yeah. Um, we can sit here and talk about, um, the fact that, Hey, you know what? You can't get off the field on fourth down defensively. Virginia, again, continued a trend of teams doing well. Virginia was what? Two of three on fourth down. I think, um, four of 10, um, you know, 40% on third downs, not ideal. Um, you know, so you look at, you look at some of the numbers on this, on this BYU defense and you, you're continuing to question, is it a talent thing? Is it a schematic thing? Like my feeling is it's not scheme. I think it's talent. You have yeah. a lot of injuries on that side of the football. I don't, I don't think it's scheme, but you know, you can look at the fact that BYU caused three turnovers. Um, that's pretty good. We'll take that every day of the week. You will take that. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at time of possession, you ran the football really well, but the, the things that really stand out to you is that I don't know, I don't, can, I continue not to know what the, what the game plan is week in and week out offensively. Like this is a team that should run the football. And I mean, 30 carries every single week for Tyler Algier. And we just don't get that. And you, you get 29 uh, for 266 and five scores. And, oh, my God, it's a miracle we won the game. Right. But how can that be your thinking when 
if he if Tyler Algier runs for 150, 175 yards, you have a really good chance of winning the game. Every game. Because you're going to control the clock. You're going to control time of possession. Yet all of a sudden, you want to get pass happy and you want to run like trickery and run the football. That's all that this team requires. When you have a quarterback that is a dual threat and who is a better, in my opinion, more effective runner than passer, run the football. When you have a guy that has the ability to throw underneath, throw the ball underneath. That And I'm hoping this was some kind of revelation, but that you actually threw the ball, you know, five to seven yards down the field and you did it effectively really speaks volumes. The, the fact that, you know, you, but again, I, I will say, where's Isaac Rex? You know, only two catches. Now it's awesome that Puka Nakua, I thought the Nakua brothers had absolutely an impact beyond belief in this game for 11 catches, yeah. 214 yards and two scores combined. I mean, you're, you're doing the job with those guys, but I also think they did a great job of spreading the football around to Hill and Pau and, you know, Rex with the two, like, I still maintain that there's a lot more left to get out of this offense. Yeah. And I wonder what it's going to take to get there. Yeah. It's going to take play calling that puts your guys in a better position. That's, that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, the, this, the offensive line really both lines, but because we're talking offense, the offensive line played really well. And, and I think it, it, it all starts there as it always does in football. You always hear that, right? Like, Hey, you know, if your offensive line is playing well, yeah. that's just going to have a, a trickle down effect and you're going to be better offensively. But I really felt like in this game, BYU's offensive line played really well. And that's why you saw Tyler have a big day. That's why you saw Jaron having protection and able, and able to, to, to complete a lot of passes. And, and so to me, I think a lot of what happened and contributed to the 66 points in this game was, you know, hey, it's, you know, UVA is a little bit lesser of an opponent, right? So that plays into it. But I think yep. that I think that BYU just did a great job of executing. And and everybody was all excited when they came out to that early lead. But, but I, I think, you know, the other narrative coming out of this game is we always talk about how BYU likes to play from in front. And when they scored those three touchdowns, I was like, Okay, this yeah. feels good. We're taking control, but it's early. So can you hold this team down uh, the whole game? So I don't know. I just think that that if the play calling can stay consistent, they're going to be fine. But it's when they get into this constantly trying to you know throw screens and and these two yard out routes. You and, can't give up thirty five like, points in a quarter and expect to win. Yeah, it, you, you know, you just there. There's no way. There's no – you can't no give way. up – what did they have at the half? 42? Yeah. You can't give up 42 points in the first half and expect to win. And, and again, I, I think it's all well and good that you scored, what, third – it was 42-38 at the half. Well, that's yeah. all well and good. But nine out of ten weeks, you're not going to win that game. And most of their possessions were, like, under two minutes in this game, like, for both sides. Yeah. Like, that's not what traditional football is. I'm telling you now that you cannot continue – you cannot play a game like this and be – I mean, it's fun. It was a fun game to watch. It was fun to see the guys out there throwing the football all over the place. And this is not what you want from BYU football. You 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 would love you would love to win games 35-28. Yeah. You don't want to be winning games 66-49. Because I'd also remind you they ran for 200 yards on your defense again. And, I, I mean, what this tells you is, hey, you were way better in the second half defensively. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. But there's no celebration to be had defensively in this game. Yeah, and I think it's a great question. Like, as a BYU fan, how should you feel coming out of this game? I mean, obviously, you won the game. 
You put it, you had, you know, obviously an offensive display, but obviously on the flip side of that, there are some things to be concerned about. Like you were just saying, the defense, you know, the the way certain things played out. So like I feel like if you're a BYU fan, you should be thrilled with how, you know, with how the weekend went. But at the yeah. same time, you should be cognizant of some of the things that, that this team is still struggling with, and that's going to be mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, BYU fan CJ, um, I think apparently made some crack about San Diego State. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, sup, fellas. What's up? Um, he says, mmm, Jaron. I, I, and again, I'm telling you, this, this is a good win. This feels good. It's Bronco. Like, I totally get it. Yeah. I would I would slow your roll a little bit because am I, I I am I can't be the only one that's wondering where this play calling was. Yeah, I cannot be. Um, BYU f- fan CJ says I said San Diego State isn't ranked and laughed at Eric C. Well, you said something more than that if YouTube is filtering your comment. Uh, Greg Hawkins says morning to you, uh, Monty Jake. Go Utes! Yeah, what a weekend for the Utes. We'll talk about them in a minute. Um, the Nye guy says Jake drives the car for the ladies. Okay. Ladies don't like his car. Um, who's the better running back, Algier or Kenneth Walker? I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Which line okay. is playing better? Uh, wait a minute. Wait Wait a minute. So uh, this is inevitably, this is ine- inevitably what happens. Is Tyler Algier will have a big game, and then somebody else will bring up, well, what about this I don't think there's any doubt that Tyler Algier is one of the top three running backs in college football. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I'm looking for his stats, but, of course, it's I, I can't pull that. But, um, I mean, Kenneth Walker had a great a great weekend. M- Michigan State doing what they did, uh, they did Michigan dirty. Like, and if Jim Harbaugh doesn't get fired after this weekend, I don't know when he will. Yeah. Uh, but Kenneth Walker had a hell of a game against Michigan – um, 23 carries, 197 yards and five scores. Fantastic. Tyler Algier is a hell of a running back. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I, it drives me nuts in sports. Kobe or Jordan, uh, LeBron or Kobe, LeBron or Jordan. Like we don't need to do it. They're yeah. both great running backs. I think if you want to look at consistent performances, I don't know that, I don't know that anybody has has put up the numbers in big games that Tyler Algier has. Yeah, he seems to always come up clutch. Yeah, their their P five wins. By the way, by the way, I also can't be the only one that's noticed that BYU. I wonder how much BYU plays down to their opponent. That happens. There was a clear lack of intensity against Boise State. Boise, right? But if you look at Virginia, Washington State. ASU, Utah, and Arizona, that's five P5 wins against one loss in Baylor when you were never in the game. Right. So I I kind of wonder, like, I, you better come out and just run Idaho State and Georgia Southern off the field and yes. then go to SC on what is that, the 27th. You got to beat SC, man. You better. You have you, to. You got to boat race them at home. Go to the Coliseum and boat race USC because they're not very good. We saw that yeah. again. They're not very good. If if you get if you have a season where you get six P five wins, that would be remarkable. Yes, that would be remarkable. But anyway, my point is, I think when you look at um, Tyler Algier, 
I, I just think you have to. It's very hard to compare college football players. The only position you can do that at is quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think running backs are. I mean, if anybody's got better numbers at 1,100 yards and 16 scores and an average of six yards a carry, I mean, there's a lot that good goes for into you. playing running back, man. I mean, yeah. it's not just I mean, that's why, again, that's why you only have the quarterback comparisons, because at running back, you know, you've got your offensive line in play. You've got, you know, how much the defense is actually playing play the calling. run like, yeah, and then play calling. And yeah, so I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. So I just think that. Tyler Jones is a great running back. I, I don't think we – there doesn't need to be a need to compare him to a bunch of other people and stuff. I mean, he's a great running back. Yeah. He's, and he's definitely going to go to the league. There's yeah. no doubt. I mean, he's got seven touchdowns in his last two games. Yeah. So, I think he'll be fine. Um. Anyway, here and there. My point is I think they're both good backs. I just hate comparing college kids. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, hey, there will, there will be no Jaron slander after Saturday. Well. Some of the throws and decisions he made, wowee. I don't know that I saw wow throws out of Jaron Hall. I mean, did he make good throws? He did. But see, this is what, and this is the other thing that yeah. happens. Oh my God. Oh my God. They scored 66 points. Jaron Hall's amazing. Jaron Hall's an average thrower of the quarterback. My, my feelings on that have not changed even a little average bit. Average thrower of the football. He, yeah. Average thrower of the football. Excuse me. And my feelings on that have not changed a little bit. I mean, they, they dominated the second half because they controlled the clock and Tyler Algier controlled the game. That's why they dominated the second half. Did Jaron play well? He did. Yeah. He absolutely did. But he's an average thrower of the football. Like, I, I, I'm I, not going to sit here and just shine Jaron Hall into, like, Ty Detmer or reincarnate. You know, like, I, I'm not I'm not doing that. The score doesn't – them scoring that many points doesn't mean that Jaron Hall is somehow, you know, the Jesus Christ of football. You know what I mean? Like, like it, 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 that's just not the case. I mean, I think – you know, there's a, there's a line. So everyone's going to say, oh, well, they put up 66. You guys are just haters. And that's not true. What, I mean, what have we said here? We've said repeatedly, Jaron played well. He did. I mean, there's no doubt yes. about that. He played really well. Give the guy credit. However, uh, you know, there are still a bunch of throws I can point to where I'm like, hey, that probably is completed if, it's, if the ball is placed here or placed there or basically just placed in the correct spot I like the throw the back shoulder throw um that everybody freaked out about to I think was the third touchdown yeah the by pylon there to Samson yeah hey, good throw but notice notice where that ball is placed that's classic Jaron Hall right that is a that is a play where you need to under throw your wide receiver so he can come back to it a back shoulder and, throw. and I actually don't think he's made that throw very consistently this year yeah I think that was that's a that's a step forward there's no doubt about it I mean it, it is my guess is that Jaron Hall is getting healthier and feeling better and he's got more range of motion and he feels better and he's gonna make better throws I would expect him to rapidly improve yeah um as his health improves but Let's not sit here and say that that Jaron Hall is, you know, like Jaron Hall's an average thrower of the of the football. That, period. There's no there's nothing that you saw Saturday night against Virginia where you're like, "Wow, this kid's amazing." Yeah. He's a good quarterback. He he is a good quarterback. He's not your best quarterback. I still maintain if I was BYU, I'd be playing Baylor Romney. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. I'm very clearly not. And if I were BYU, I would be running the football a heck of a lot more than they are. Um, if I were BYU, I would be playing go-fast offense a heck of a lot more than they are. 
because it covers up for a lot of the issues that you have. Hey, uh, we can't protect the quarterback all that well. Let's play faster. I couldn't believe that they switched. Like, you, you were dominating early, and then you just turned that off. And, yeah. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, why are we why, – why, what is the hesitation? Why, why would you not just continue to play fast and continue to tire out their defense? And, again, I will just simply say what I've said about Jaron Hall all season long. If the kid is running, he is a next-level quarterback. And when you saw him run, and I wish he had run more – I will continue to say it. I wish Jaron Hall had run more, but it was nice to see him run the ball six times, I think 42 yards, Yep. Um, and he had the touchdown. Hey, that's great. I mean, he's clearly getting healthier. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that, that, that process is clearly taking place. I just think that if you're a BYU fan listening to the show, I don't think you should get all pissed off when we say, oh, well, he's an average thrower of the football, because he is. Everybody will tell you that. That's not just us, like, saying – like hateful stuff about him. He is an average thrower of the football. There's no doubt about that. Well, hateful. You know what I mean? Like there's no, it's just not in question. However, did he play well? Yes, he did. He played really well. You know, he led them to victory. There's no doubt. And so, and, and if we're really truth telling about BYU, the meat of your schedule's over. You, you have three games left to play here. Um, USC obviously is a big game. You've got two gimmies the next two weeks. Uh, I would think that you would see a lot more depth uh, in the next two weeks, um, which would be great. Um, by the time you get to USC, there should be no injury concerns. Everybody should be as close to 100% as they're going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you've had a really successful season. You've got, excuse me, you've got one must-win game left. You have one must-win game. Yeah. And that is USC, and that is three weeks away, and that's at the Coliseum. Be healthy. It, it really that's it's that simple. I mean, it, it is not. This is not. Um, this is not rocket science. Um, I think that you that USC game is is all you have to play for at this point. Yeah. You know, like you are you you have got um, Idaho State. What is that? I think Saturday. You have the bye week. Um, then it's it's uh, Georgia Southern. And then on the uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. Bye week probably couldn't have come at a better time for them, you know? No, I think you'd like to have the bye week right now today. Um, that This would be awesome to be coming out of that Virginia game, going in feeling good-ish, and then having a full month to prepare your defense for USC. Because you got to get better defensively. I mean, you can't not give up 200 yards on the ground. You cannot give up 49 points yeah I mean there's just too many mental mistakes and by the way there's the, just the no tackling, way the tackling wasn't great either and so I, that's why I say like it, it it kind of makes me wonder I mean it, we're, we're sitting here talking about these different players and in different situations that are going on and I'm just sitting here saying what about the coaching staff I mean you're talking we're, we have a big issue with play calling on the offense I see all kinds of issues yeah. with tackling technique on the defense. I see all kinds of issues with mental mistakes on defense. You know, guys not being in the in the position they should be. You know, corner thinking he's got safety help when he doesn't. Like, there are just these mental mistakes that you're seeing in the game that, you know, lead to a team like Virginia getting 49 points. That, I mean, that's – You, you just cannot give that. up 49. You yeah. can't – Furthermore, you can't give up 200 yards on the ground. You you just it's yeah. never going to be good enough. And that's a trend too. This is not the first team to run on BYU. It's yeah. not. No, I would agree with that. Um, Dax Johnson says, "Good morning." Since Jaron balled out on Saturday, can the Jazz sign Conover for the next time they play the Bulls? They need um, him. 
Don't I get agree me started that. on the Bulls game, dude. Defense has been riddled with injuries. They were mediocre before the injuries. Yeah. Don't spin it on the defense. The secondary has not – I don't care who you've put back there. The secondary is not covered which, at all. Which is why I feel like it's coaching. Could be. And the second quarter was the worst defensive effort I've seen, and that can't happen again. However, they adjusted in the second half. Sure. Adjusted on some level, right? Like, again, I, I know I keep saying this. I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative here, but but there's no getting away from the fact that, yeah, the second quarter was crap, but your adjustments, your, your you know, your change in strategy still got your ass kicked in the second half. So, like, you gave up plays yeah. in the second half. Like, they did. Virginia didn't do a good job scoring the football, but yeah, I think your your biggest concern is defense. There's yeah. no there's there's not even a conversation to be had. Uh, Snuka says, "Chee-hoo." Good morning, my guys. Good morning, Snuka. Sean Mirzinski says Michigan got screwed. They lost to Michigan State. You can never lose to Michigan State. Yeah, that's unacceptable. They didn't get screwed. I mean, at some point, dude's got to get fired. No, they did. They did not. No, sorry. Uh, Spencer Morgan says, don't leave out Tavian Thomas's four TDs. Well, let's talk about Utah a little bit. Um, because as usual, stud, what uh, did I tell as you? As usual, we told you so. What did I tell you? And, uh, yeah, okay. Utah owns the South. It, Here's it, the deal. I'm the best there is. And you know what? I, I keep trying to um, I keep trying to tell Ute fans this, and they just don't listen. If you ain't first, you're last. You have everything to play for. You know, I mean, you have absolutely everything to play for. Nothing's been lost. You lost to Oregon State. Okay, well, what what part of your season ended there? None of it. None of it. You lost to San Diego State. Okay, what part of your season ended there? The loss is where your season started, right? Like Cam Rising taking the job from that coward quitter of a quarterback who walked away. You know. That's where your season started. So, to me – I, I this win was not surprising to me. Um, you coward quitter of I, a quarterback. I cannot stand kids <laughs> who quit football teams. I have zero respect for kids that quit football teams. I you just you can't do it. You because once you quit once, it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to quit a second time. And once you, you, it just it's the absolute wrong message to send to your balls. Yeah. Like because you have none, and it's just to me. It, it, everything you want is on the other side of hard. And Charlie Brewer wasn't willing to fight through hard. And he's a coward. He quit. And I just, I'm sorry. You quit on a football team. You quit on a football team where this football team was. And I just have no respect for you. Um, but Tavion Thomas, again, not to tell you how right I am. I'm the best. Jake. What have I been saying about Tavion Thomas that all year? he's the guy. He should be the number one. 24 for 160 and four scores. Yeah. Is what it is. Now, it does not help that DTR did not play for UCLA. Well, it helped, <laughs> it helped Utah uh, because they. I thought that, that this defense actually played pretty well. Now, I would love more than two sacks. Um. You know, but I mean, your tackle for lossness, six tackles for loss is good. Yeah. Um, seven pass defense, good. Um, I look at the fact that Ethan Garbers was 27 of 44, only averaged six yards, you know, two touchdowns, a pick. You only gave up 146 on the ground. Yeah. Utah was in control. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah. Utah was in control of the game, controlling the pace, controlling the narrative, you know, controlling all of it. And I think that, um, 
you know, it, it, it was always hard for me to kind of understand how, and really moving forward, it is. I mean, if you're a Utah fan, anytime a team comes to play at Rice Eccles, especially in November, it's going to be hard to get a victory in that climate. I mean, yep. I, I don't care who you are. So, so to me, I just felt like, you know, they dominated USC. I felt like they were in control. Uh, I agree. DTR not playing was highly disappointing and, and, and unfortunate, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. And, and I think there's a whole, not for today, but a whole spinoff conversation about Chip Kelly and UCLA and, and, and where that program's going and what, what could have been this year for them. Um, but once again, we're, it's funny. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Utah's in control. Uh, they haven't lost anybody in the Pac-12 yet. And, you know, they're likely going to win South. Okay, well, that's a lie. They lost to Oregon State. Oh, Oregon but, uh, State. Other yeah. than that, I mean. I forgot about them. You liar. Yeah. Other than that. Um, they're in control, though. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you beat basically everybody you should beat. You've got four games left. I mean, obviously, at Stanford's never an easy place. Which uh, I really don't get. For the life of me, I don't understand why it's so hard to go to Stanford and win a football game. Well, number one, it's a slow, plodding, methodical turf. Um, you play on grass there. Number two, you know, that that's always been a place where, um, you know, they they obviously they play better at home. Stanford's not very good. They're three and five on the season. I think they're two and four in conference. Yeah. Um, you're better than Stanford is. Um, and you have, to me, when you look at Stanford – um, losing to Washington tells you the caliber of football team they are. Um, and now um, you have you have a game, um, you know, what is that, Friday night, I think, at the farm, where you got to go up there and you got to handle your business. Is it really a Friday night game for them? I think, I let me, let me just look so and make much. sure. I, I, really, I really don't understand that out of the Pac-12. Yeah, it's like, Friday night, 8.30 on uh, – FS1. Okay, secondly, can I also complain about the fact that all these games start so freaking late? Bro, I'm up to I'm tweeting with BYU fans at like 1:30 on Saturday night about this damn game. I was sleeping. Bro, like holy crap. Yeah, I I did not stay up. When game was over, I was out. Man. Um yeah, Utah and, and Stanford's Friday night at 8:30. Um and then obviously, I mean the the rest that you have to play for, I mean you have you have some you have some very difficult you have some very difficult games coming up. Without question, the Oregon game's a big one. Yeah. Um Colorado seems to find a way to wreck Utah's season every year. Is Oregon uh here or there? Oregon's it, uh here in Salt Lake. Yeah, see I like yeah. that game a lot. I think that I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that that's gonna be some easy game or anything like that, because it's not. I mean Oregon's a really good team, but I, I do think that they're beatable. So at Stanford, at Arizona, home for Oregon, home for Colorado. She win three of the last four, <laughs> like at a minimum. I would expect you to run the table here and finish eight and one. Well, I hope so. Finish eight and one. You got a two-game lead. Um, you know, you got a two-game lead in the South now, essentially because you own the tiebreaker over Arizona State, um, who's three and two. You're four and one. Um, I would expect I would expect them to win the South. I mean, it would be a stunning upset. Which would be a great story if they did. Yeah, it would. Especially it would. And if you and it, and here's the other thing to consider. I mean, if you if you beat Oregon, and you look at Oregon, and and there's a game coming up here in two weeks, on the 13th. It's Oregon and Washington State. That's a massive football game for the North, and then if Oregon loses to Utah, Washington State obviously. 
crazy, crazy, crazy year. Yeah. Roller cock being fired, all of that. Yeah. Washington State's not done. Washington State's got a ton to play for at four and two in the conference. Washington State has a ton yeah. to play for. Now, having said that, uh, you got to find a way to uh, to to beat Oregon coming out of a bye. Yeah, good luck with that. Because uh, they <laughs> ju- well, they went to Arizona State and won. Yeah, I mean, but- how do you how do you go to Oregon? How do you go to Arizona State and win thirty four to twenty one? Yeah, I don't know. Are you kidding me? So that was really surprising. Uh, they were up twenty to nothing at one point in that game, and and they they turned Arizona State over five times. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like I like you're not going to get that against Oregon. You're you're not turning Oregon over five times. You're not like you're not getting. You're not going to get the undisciplined football. And this is kind of what I said about Arizona State, you know, several times this year. Like, they're an undisciplined team, whether it's penalties, whether it's, you know, turnovers. Like, they are undisciplined. And I'm telling you, Herm's in trouble there. He should with be. A, with a recruiting scandal and a what big investigation. Done? What has he done? He hasn't done anything. He, yeah. He's, he's, brought, he's brought negativity to the program uh, through the recruiting scandal. Uh, they haven't won anything. And this is this is what I always used to say about uh, about Sean Miller down in down in Tucson. It's sweaty, Sean. Please. What was what was the point of all the cheating you did, dude? What was the point? Because you didn't win anything, and that's kind of where I'm at but with Herm. Jake, it's it's Nico Mannion, and yeah, it's, it's Nico, you know, right? If yeah. we just have this one year, we'll win a championship, and affects me. Yeah, Sean, I get it, dude. But you were never gonna win a damn thing. I think Herm's gonna get whacked. But, As he should. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Anyway, here nor there, uh, Utah's in firm control yeah. of the Pac-12 South. It's over, in my opinion. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, I don't believe BYU will have a problem with USC, especially with Drake London being injured, as much as it pains me to admit that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, fair point. Um, Sir Robin says, what m- what made Jaron good on set? What made Jaron good on Saturday is that he uh, turned back into a dual threat. No doubt about it. Uh, Neville 93 says, good morning, Jake. Good morning, Utah. What about me? Hello. Uh, I'll, I'll be over here. I'll just fuck yeah, off. It's yeah. fine. You're uh, so fucked. Yeah. Zach Thornton says, uh, wow, we, okay. I'll have to hand it to you, Monty. This is awesome. Okay. What do you mean? I'm not sure, Zach, what's awesome besides me and everything. Right. right. Uh, Dax Johnson says, is BYU 100% out of a New Year's six? If they go 10 and two, they are. Yeah. Yes. They're done. There's their New Year's six chances are over. Um, I think, you know, you're looking at the playoff coming out here. Like, I, it's over. Uh, I don't see a way that it's they, over. I, I don't know. Um, Zach Thornton says, I do like go faster. You're right. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Play more. I, I don't. What do you? Hello? Like, why did you not play more? Lynn W says you can ask intelligent questions. Well, maybe you actually can't. Yeah. You know, I'm dumb. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah, we're idiots. We don't watch jazz games, BYU games, Utah games, badminton games, you know. Yeah. What uh Zach Thornton says, what about coaching staff? What about adjustments at half and limited to seven points? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that feels good. Um, you know, it is what it is. Lynn W says, um, seven hundred yards of offense and you're slamming the play calling. It was combined seven hundred yards of yeah, offense. Dude. Um, you guys are idiots. Yeah, we probably, are. I, at least I can spell. He says you guys S R E idiots. Well, you know, it is what it is. Here's the play calling <laughs> issue. The play calling Lynn W. You know what the play calling issue is, is that you stopped moving the football in the second quarter. Cause you completely changed what you were doing from the first quarter when you were kicking ass, um, run the football. 
this is what this is the thing that kills me. I'm such an idiot, but yet you were running the football and you were road grading the Virginia defensive line and then you stopped running the football. Good idea. Good idea. Excellent. Excellent adjustment. You gave up 35 points because you didn't control the clock. You didn't extend possessions. And they scored 35 points in the second quarter. And I'm the idiot. Their play calling in the second quarter was not good. No. They came out in a track meet and then like started crawling in the second quarter for whatever reason. I don't know what the thought process is. I, I really don't get it yeah. at all. Brandon Whiteside says, what is he going to sit around for a chance to sit on the bench? Mediocre team pass. Um, Utah is a not a mediocre team. I, I, I don't know what mediocre team you're talking about because Utah's certainly not mediocre. Yeah, here's the problem with, with what, what Quitter Kid did, and I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't deserve that. Um, the problem was, is he quit on this team when they were in the, the, the toughest portion of the season, you know? And and admittedly, I had my doubts that this team would bounce back. I mean, you're talking you're literally talking about people dying out here, and then you want to go and quit on the program. Okay. But the thing is, football is hard. I think if you've never played or been around the sport, you don't understand that football is physically ass-kicking, but it's two or three times more difficult than that on the mental side of the game. And it's easy to give up. It's easy to quit. It's easy to walk away. Yeah. This is the problem with the transfer portal. I'll just put my name in the portal. Like, okay, go. Cam Rising's a better quarterback than, than Charlie Brewer is. And he quit when it got hard. You weren't you weren't the best quarterback. You were not producing. Fight for your job, man. Show up at practice on Monday and fight for your job. Why is that so difficult? It, it just anyway. Don't get me started. Spencer Morgan says your your take on Brewer is way off. Can't blame the kid for wanting to preserve another year and play somewhere else. I can't actually. But how many how many times are you going to transfer? So was I mean, he preserving a year? with the Baylor situation then too? Charlie Brewer is an average football player. He is not a pro prospect. He is not somebody that, and look, I'm all for, hey, wear the pads as long as you can. Live live the dream as long as you can. I'm all for that. But when you when you transfer to Utah, one of the, the most well-run programs in the country, you transfer there because you believe you have a chance to win. Yeah. Guess what? You quit, and all of a sudden, Utah's winning. That's not an accident. Cam Rising is absolutely lit a fire under this team. I don't care about, at that point, I don't care about your eligibility. You, you got to be a man. You, you, you have to, you at some point have to understand who you are and where you are as a football player. And what, what Charlie Brewer didn't understand is he's not, he's not the best quarterback on that roster. You got beat out. And likely you got beat out in, in in fall camp. And you still got the job, and you just weren't very good. Yeah. You were not Pac-12, top of Pac-12 good. You weren't. You were not. Cam Rising's a better quarterback for this team than Charlie Brewer is. Where are you going to go? Where you can just walk in. It, it, Notice what he wants. He wants it easy. You're not going to walk in and be a starter anywhere, and you're not good enough to beat out most quarterbacks. You're you're not. I it just I anyway. It's a longer conversation than that. Than that. 
you know, I just it, it, and Spencer's going on about how, you know, hey, you really expect him to just throw away a year of football? I expect you to compete. Yeah, dude. Here's the thing that you that no one's talking about. I don't expect a kid to throw away a year of football. What I expect him to do is get better. That's what I expect him to do. I expect him to say to himself, hey, I admit it. I own it. My shortcoming is I have a noodle arm. That doesn't mean I can't play football, though. That means I have to be twice as good as everybody else mentally so I know what the defense is doing so I can compensate for the fact that I don't have arm strength. Correct. But he wouldn't do that. And that's why this team lost to those damn freaking San Diego State Aztecs. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. They, uh, they shouldn't have lost that game. I'm telling you now that if Cam Rising had started the season, I think there's a much better chance that they at least are in position to win the, the BYU game. And if Cam Rising has a full fall camp and is your starting quarterback in week one, I think they beat San Diego State. They beat, They definitely beat San Diego State. You know, like it, yeah. it just it, – at some point – at some point, you have to – <sighs> Why are we being nice? Why can't we just say, hey, the dude quit? Because there is a there is a belief that you have to – you know, the, he threw for 400 – I mean, three touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, 484 yards. He only completed – he had the worst year of his college football career, and it's not an accident. It's not – being at Baylor is completely different than being at Utah. Utah is a football factory. You have one job. The expectations are much higher. The expectation every year at Utah is you're going to win the Pac-12 South. Yeah. Every single year. He wasn't good enough. Don't sugarcoat it. Look at San Diego State, 14-26. 104 yards. BYU. 15 to 26, 147. Weber State, 19 to 27, 233. He's not good enough. He was never going to be better than Cam Rising. I don't, I don't, I, if, did I have to make this case? It's crazy. Uh, Greg Hawkins says after his endless concussions in high school and at Baylor, yeah, he should probably quit football entirely. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, about apparently that. he's not done hitting his head against the wall. So, you know. Sir Robin says Rising's a sophomore. Ute fans should be thrilled about that. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. You have years left. Um, Calvin Johnson says it's the perfect cruel irony that in a year BYU finally beats Utah. The Utes are Rose Bowl bound, and the Cougs are headed to the watch. What Chamming Bowl on December 15th? <laughs> well, no. State, by the dude. way, BYU is headed to the Big Twelve. Savage day, and they're headed to an awesome year of recruiting. I think BYU's had a phenomenal season so far. Phenomenal, phenomenal. You're always going to lose a game, always. And if you get, if you end up with six P five wins, you to. If I said to you, yeah, you're you're going to lose two, but you're going to beat six of your P five opponents. Take it. You'd have taken that all day long. And by the way, you got into the Big 12 and you beat Utah and you're dominating the state of Utah in recruiting. No, we're going to pass on that. We need to go undefeated. <laughs> Stop. Brandon Whiteside says Utah picked him up so his pass didn't seem to affect Utah's decision going after Brewer and starting him. Well, he supposedly won the job. Allegedly. You know, he doesn't have a bad past. I mean, he, 
He just wasn't a good quarterback so at Utah. Don't just don't and he quit. It. Yeah. yeah, he quit. Like you can't. You can never quit. There's no getting around it, dude. There's nothing wrong with getting beaten out. Hear me clearly on this. There's nothing wrong with getting beaten out. Nothing. It happens. It's sports every day. You're 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 gonna get beat. There's always somebody bigger and better right around the corner. It's why we lift all those weights, yes. right? Because there's always somebody better. You can never quit, period. Not in life, not in sports, not in the womb. It doesn't fucking matter. You can never quit. Because when you quit, you just you just said, you know what? I'm 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 you know, I give up. I'm not willing to make the effort anymore I'm to okay. do what I said I was gonna do. I'm okay not giving my best. It it That's just it is means. as simple as he quit. I have no respect for people that quit. None. If you want to grind your ass off and, hey, Cam Rising got in the game and he performed and – He was ready. Utah won the the the, the Pac-12 South and went to the Rose Bowl. Hey, you know what? You know what? You know what he should have done? You know what Charlie Brewer should have done? He should have fought for his job. He should have been a quality backup because you always need two. And when the season was over, he should have shook Rising's hand and tipped his cat and walked away. By the way, let's not even get into Period. the fact that he didn't have his teammates back in this whole thing. Because by all reports, including Britton Covey's report of of Cam Rising, Cam was nothing but the best teammate when he wasn't the starter. Cam was, you know, in it. Cam yes. was was everything you could want him to be uh, as a backup quarterback. Because he's mature, he understands it, it. I I and I don't mean to be redundant. I know I keep saying this. Football is not baseball. Football is not basketball. Football is different. Football is hard. Football is. Man, you, you you stand under a squat rack and you're trying to put up 500 pounds. You got a decision to make. Yeah. Am I going to let this weight crush me or am I going to explode up and finish this lift? And you have that decision every day in practice. Every day. By the way, you also are responsible for academic work sometimes. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I mean, you got to sleep. You got to eat. You got to pound like a porn star. You got to lift weights. You got to watch film. You got to go to school. You got to call your mom. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you know this, football hurts as well. So you're most of the time you're rehabbing if you're a number one. Yeah. You're rehabbing. Football is hard. It's not basketball or baseball. It ain't soccer. It's not badminton. Football is hard. Yeah. And when you quit, you quit in life. Ask Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill, not because he went to BYU, but Taysom Hill is the perfect example of a kid who essentially broke legs, was constantly injured. He was told, you know, like how many people said, oh, he sucks. Oh, he sucks. Taters can't get it done. And Taysom Hill is one of the most important players for the New Orleans Saints. Well, now he's injured. But he's one of the most important players on that offense. And he's not supposed to be in the NFL. He's supposed to be working on Wall Street. Yes. And he's supposed to have 11 kids. But he stayed the and, course. And how many times did I have to hear my, my former radio co-host say he'll never be Jimmer? Well, no, because Jimmer played basketball and he played football. He sucks and he can't throw. Well, it turns out he can throw. And by the way, if he sucks, I'll take the money he's getting paid by the Saints and I'll Seriously. suck too. Seriously. Because the guy's had a pretty dang good NFL career. Seriously. Football's hard. And when you quit, you deserve everything you get when you quit. Anyway. Okay, I'm done. Woo! Okay. Hey, All right. Hey, kids, don't quit. Oh, man. And now we got like spammer people like putting porn in here here we go <sighs> i'm shiva the god of death you know and yeah, then why, i have to go and report this guy dude, can i just say a quick point on that 
Why are there so many freaking bots out these days, man? It's incredible. Like dude. it is obsessive. It is. It's incredible. YouTube comments, Twitter, Instagram, Meta. Oh, I'm sorry, Facebook. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, Spencer says nobody's saying Brewer was better than Rising. Not sure uh, who you're arguing with, Monty. I just think you're better. You're off base on for the quitting hate. He quit. How, did, hey, you Spencer, need to explain that. Spencer, did he quit that. or did he not quit? Yeah, like. Would you tell your kid to do what what camera or what Charlie Brewer did? Twice. Don't forget it. No. He did it twice. No, you wouldn't. Wait, football's hard. Talk about something you get. Wait, football's hard. Talk about something you guys know. We don't know football. Spitters and quitters. Exactly, Jackson exactly. Uh Jeremy Bolton says, mmm, Taysom. Angry Ashley says, hey, there, a bot in the chat spamming links. Yeah, I know. I, I already blocked them. I want it. We, we blocked them already. So it's fine. It's fine. You, you, you know, it's fine. <sighs> okay. You know. Anyway, there you go. I can't control the bot spamming you links. It's not. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. Um, let's talk Utah Jazz. Let's piss some more people off. Okay, wait. Spencer says, not sure how you expect Brewer to throw away a year and sit behind a guy who we all can see is far better. Brewer probably can see it too. Because that's that's football. Where is he going to go? He made a decision. You win some, you lose some. He could play at a lower level. Yeah, okay, cool. Go play at Wachachi State. I don't give a f- – go. I don't care. You're terrible. Uh, Tyler Algier is the number one running in rushing yards. Yeah, he's do great. You think, he's do you think that back. Charlie Brewer should go play at Bishop Sycamore? I think Charlie Brewer should worry about his post-football career because – I, I'm done. I'll never say his name on this show again. He will forever just be the quitter. I, I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. You know, like I, I just don't. Oh, wow. Come on, Jeff Clausen. Be better than this. Rumor has it Brewer had a national letter or national NIL. I, you know, image and likeness. Deal with Nicorette. It helped him quit. <laughs> well played. I like that, Jeff. That was very well done. Boyd Lake says, Jared Hall convinced me he can pass to keep BYU in a shootout. Great game. He did. Yeah. He did. The play calling is the problem at BYU. He should play for the Helen Keller deaf and blind school. He'd be a starter there. <laughs> that kid who quit yeah. on Utah. Utah Jazz basketball. Because yeah. I want to make sure we stay on the clock today. Uh, Utah Jazz. Um, BYU broke Brewer. Jaron broke Brewer. Jeremy Please, it's way too early to smoke crack. Yeah. Come on. Like, I mean, it's only 738, you know. Anyway. Anyway, Brewer needs to go play Chuck and man up and play football. Yeah. Go buy Chuck and – yeah, okay. Uh, listen, the Utah Jazz. Now, speaking of things that we don't know anything about. Yeah, we don't watch jazz games, just um, so everybody knows. Well, when their season starts, I think we'll start watching games, right? Yeah, when does their season start? Isn't it in, like, January? Yeah, they don't or? play – they're not – they, they don't play right now, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. When's Carl Malone? Anyway. <laughs> He's still their starting small forward, right? Anyway, I'll stop. Um, interesting road trip for the Jazz. Because it went exactly like we told you it would. Um, they lost in Chicago, and they beat a depleted Milwaukee Buck team. But I think what we're seeing is some patterns forming about the Utah Jazz. Just give me your oratoriums. 
Yeah. Or oral machinations and stuff about so, the. <laughs> here's how jazz games go lately. These these <sighs> first like five or six. How many, how many of our games they've had so far? Yep. They open the game, run an offense, moving the ball. You know, you're you're doing what Quinn wants you to be doing. Then things start to get more difficult because the defense adjusts. You know, they're pressuring you. They're they're pushing out more. And then it turns into the let's set a pick for Donovan and let Donovan shoot a three show. And then it turns into the Donovan and everybody else show. And and so, you know, I I like the contributions they're getting from the guys they've added to this roster. But my main point here is that if you really get to the core of this team, it does not feel like a lot has changed. It doesn't feel like, based on, you know, the games that they've played so far, it doesn't feel like this is a lar- like largely that different of a team. What think about it? W- what are we talking about right now with this Jazz team? Well, they're five and one. They're the best team in the league. Uh, Donovan's making shots. They're shooting the three. Like, but isn't that all the same stuff we talked about last year? Isn't that the exact think, same combo? I think it is, but I think the thing that's emerging is this team's not shooting nearly as many threes. The Utah Jazz are not shooting nearly as many threes as they did last year. Um, and it seems like it seems like the other thing that was very clear Saturday night in Chicago is this is not the same team without Mike Conley. Yeah. And I think it continues to show you how important um, it is that that Mike Conley stay healthy and that Mike Conley's available for this team in their, in their biggest moments. Um, because I think it's very interesting that you have a guy in Joe Ingles playing a career high in minutes Saturday night and you lost. And you know what? You, you had opportunities in that game and you needed a big three and it wouldn't go down for you. And I think that to me is one of the things that we probably undervalue in Mike Conley is that he is an absolutely elite three-point shooter. Yeah. And you see him come back last night uh, against Milwaukee, and he hits a couple of big threes early that just put Milwaukee on their heels. And, you know, now you look at the fact that the Jazz are 5-1, and one, and I think you're starting to learn about the rotation on this team. I think you're starting to see that there's real value in Hassan Whiteside playing heavy minutes, especially against mobile big men. Um, I think Rudy Gobert is off to such a great start offensively this year because the Jazz are shooting a, a poor percentage uh, when it when it comes to the three ball. But wait, they started off seven of eight last night, and then all that went away. Like it, it is, it's pretty. The thing that scares you a little bit about this team is that you know, like I, I look at a guy like Jordan Clarkson. He's going to be super cold, and then he's going to be super hot for like three weeks. Yeah. I don't worry about Jordan Clarkson finding his three ball. What I worry about is, you know, their their three-point percentage. You don't have a guy right now. Um, you know, you don't have a, a, a outside of Mike Conley again. Like, I look at, at Boyan Bogdanovich, he's shooting 30% from three. Uh. Um, Jordan Clarkson, 24. Don, 31. Um, Royce O'Neal should never shoot another three ever. Um, <laughs> well, well, hold on. You, you know. got to call him by his right name, though. Right? Buckets O'Neal. Craig Bowler, Jack. Craig, right. please. Anyway. Um, but I think you're seeing that you're, you're only shooting 32.5% from three. Okay, you're off to a bit of a slow start. But one of the interesting trends to watch is, okay, well, when you start shooting better from three, because this team's going to make more threes. Yes. That's going to happen. Yep. They're an elite three-point shooting bunch. Yep. When they start making threes, what happens to Rudy Gobert's offense? Because – 
I think when you look at his game, um, you know, obviously he shoots 70-something percent from the floor because he he's he's a guy that's a dunk and layup guy. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what his putbacks look like. Um, because I, I, you know, when I, when I look at his, his numbers, um, he's pulling down four offensive rebounds a game. Like that's a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, you know, he's averaging, you know, 17 boards a game. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, they're, they're getting, they're getting really good production out of this team. The question is what happens when the three ball starts going in? Yeah, and and, and so I think it's this whole this this balance that this team has to find, um, you know, because of the roster they have. And and I totally agree. Like I think when this team is shooting the ball really well, you're gonna see Rudy's point totals go down because there's just not as much opportunity for him. And you know, the other thing while we're talking about patterns that I that I've noticed and and I really started to notice this on the road on this particular road trip. You don't see it so much at home, uh, but on the road you really see it a lot. I feel like where where Rudy sets good picks is open on the roll, and Donovan won't give him the ball. Just straight up will yeah, not they don't. give him give the it ball. To him. And and there were times where he was frustrated with that. And and I gotta say I was frustrated with that. I mean I know I've had my fair share of negative critique on Rudy Gobert. One thing he's really good at is is rolling to the basket and finishing. Right. Dunking, uh, laying it in like that's where he really excels. And so to me, you're playing a Bulls team that doesn't really have any size outside of Vucevic and you still lose that game. You're playing a Bucks team that really doesn't have a ton of size yeah. outside of Giannis. And that was kind of a grinder until you put it away. So I don't know. I just think that, yes, the three ball is going to go in at a higher percentage. I really am not worried about that right now. Not at all. But I am worried about this dynamic with, with Rudy. I think Rudy's playing really well, but you can't just ignore him in the pick and roll. That That's not going to work. Like, that's just not – you can't do that. That doesn't work. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that worries you so much is that this is a really good team against the three. And they're still getting – you're seeing quite a bit of penetration that happens um, in pretty much – in most games. And I think when you look at um, where the where the Jazz are, and I think when you look at, you know, an evolution or a maturation out of this team, I, I still think that this is not the roster that wins you a championship. Um, and I, I think one of the more interesting parts about the Utah Jazz right now is their, their inconsistency on offense. Like, I, I – I, you got to figure out who you are now you're what a week and a half into the season mm -hmm. but let's see what pattern emerges for them offensively like I I think you got to get back to over 43s a game and I would really like to see this team get out and play more transition basketball because I think there a lot of their struggle comes in the half court and I I think they are much better when they're running if they can get you know, if they can get a lot more of that, I, I think you're good because I look at the Bulls game and I don't think the Bulls game was a fluke. I think that, you know, A, without Mike Conley and B, I look at, you know, the fact that they shot 28%, 29% from three. Yeah. That really concerns you. I think, I think right now, like I'm looking at their schedule here and, you know, your next seven to 10 games are really nice. You know, you really should win a lot of these games. But, you know, one thing like this, this week, as an example, You've got Sacramento tomorrow at home. Then Thursday, you're on the road. You're going east Back to, on that trip, to yeah. Atlanta, then Miami, and then Orlando. And so I look at these these this grouping here of these four games this week, 
And I'm like, all right, you're going to be Sacramento, but that Atlanta game is the one where I'm like, interesting. You're on the road. You're in a different time zone. Like, that's going to be a tougher game. Mobile you know? big. Yeah, mobile, mobile big, big. Big time star in Trey Young. Like, like so these are the games where I'm like, okay. Because honestly, when I look at their schedule, I don't look at it from a, hey, are they going to win 50 games? They're definitely going to win 50 games. Yeah, There's no, no doubt, doubt about that. I mean, that that's just not a conversation. But when I look at their schedule, I'm like, all right, so Atlanta's the next hard one. Then after that, you've got like five or six that you're going to win. And then you've got Philly. Okay, after Philly, what do we got? Uh, oh, end of November, you got Portland. You know, you've got this run of Portland, Boston, and then Philly again. That's going to be tough. So, to me, I just look at this team, and I'm like, you should expect them to win every single night. And then when they play those teams that we all know and love that are consistent playoff contenders, let's see what it, let's see if they're making the three. Because that, truthfully, if you're watching a Jazz game, that's all you need to look for. If they're making the three, they're going to win the game. If they're not, they're going to lose the game. It's pretty much that simple. Yeah, and Atlanta is such a much better team at home. Yeah. I mean, this year they have just not been good Like, John road, Collins but... is going to terrorize the Jazz. I'm just telling you now. Like, that pick and roll with Trey Young is going to be incredibly difficult for, for the Jazz to defend. Because... And I, well, and I wonder how much Clint Capella we see in that game. I mean, because it, it is it, – uh, well, and I, I'm curious about that. I actually think they're going to play smaller because they're one of the teams that has that ab ability to flex and play a little bit smaller. I yep. mean – because Rudy Gobert is a better big than Clint Capella. No doubt. Um, I So his effectiveness would be limited. John Collins at the five brings them a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, he is a he is a much more aggressive player and obviously. But he's also smaller. He's a smaller big, but he's much yeah. more offensively capable. But I think when you see what this league is turning into, like, I mean, the Bulls don't have a valuable big. Milwaukee doesn't have a, uh, you know, without Brooke Lopez, Milwaukee doesn't have a big. I mean, yep. you're playing Giannis at the five. Um, you're seeing a league and I, I know I continue to, to say this and everybody tells me I'm stupid and I don't know the NBA. Okay. Yeah. This is a, this is a league of, of four or five combos. This is a league where you can play Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis on the floor at the same time and have it be highly effective. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why there was so much talk about the Lakers playing LeBron at the four and AD at the five because AD is a prototypical center. And if you look at the centers that give Rudy trouble, it's inside out guys. Um, and I think Atlanta, you know, if you look at their ability, and I could be wrong about this, but they like playing John Collins and Danilo Gallinari together. They do. Yeah. You know, so, you, you, I mean, they have the, the that. The John Collins-Trey Young connection is the one you need to look for when, when the Jazz yeah. are playing that game because John can jump with anybody. And, and I think that, you know, the other thing, too, while we're talking trends, I'm also noticing people are not nearly as scared of Rudy as they once were. Not that that's a critique of Rudy. I just think that people are figuring out how to play against him a little more. And so you don't see the intimidation factor being as high. So we'll see. My point just is, is like if if you have downtime and you're looking at the Jazz schedule, a lot of these teams they're just going to torch. You know, yeah. Like a lot of these teams yeah. they're just they going to destroy. And 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 that no should doubt. be expected. And and so I don't know, man. I just am looking like I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like I'm in December and I really don't see more than. 15 losses like but, and I think moving forward I mean you're gonna some things are gonna change I think you're gonna see them shoot more threes which will lead to fewer turnovers because I mean they have just been giving the opposite the opposition so many free free possessions yeah so I think those numbers against are, the Bulls yeah and it killed you I think you're gonna see because the Bulls are not a, a great team the Bulls the Bulls are not playing nearly as well as they did last week this week and I think you're seeing that the 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 Jazz are not good enough to give 12, 15, 20 
extra possessions to the opponent and still win games. The good teams will make you pay for that. Yes. I mean, it's just that simple. And a, and a team that's like, I mean, it, but again, with the Bulls, there's a couple of things that really stand out to you there. I mean, DeMar DeRozan ate that ass up. Like, I mean, <laughs> him in the, his mid-range game, like, I mean, that that's the thing that should really, if you're, if you are a Utah Jazz fan, when they play tomorrow night, watch the mid-range game because you should. Now, Sacramento's a team in Salt Lake City you should dismantle. Yes. There's no doubt about that. They're fast and they can shoot and they play in the mid-range. And that's going to, you're, you're going to see. But even in the, in the Milwaukee game, um, you win 107-95, you only turn the ball over 12 times. So now, again, I don't really care who played and who didn't. You can only play the team that's in front of you. Yeah, but they, it matters. Nah, they, they handled Milwaukee. They were never in jeopardy of losing that game. Right, so I think it's unfortunate that guys like Middleton didn't play, um, but you can only play the team that's in front of you. So they didn't turn the ball over. But then I look at the way they lost to the Bulls the other night, and they lost to the Bulls because they gave the Bulls chance after chance after chance. And they just didn't—it didn't feel like the Jazz were mentally in that game. It—it it, it really did. There was a lot of times where I was like, "Why would you choose that shot, Don? Why would you like?" It just. Yeah, that wasn't a nine great game. of twenty-seven for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, just not good Oof. shot selection. Not not going to eleven of thirty-eight from three. It's not good enough. This team has to shoot the three to win. Yeah, you and to, I always look at fifteen three-pointers in a game. If they can make more than fifteen three-pointers, they're going to win just about every game. Yeah, because there'll be a handful. By the way, the other guy that really stands out to me again. I'm still waiting for Boyan Bogdanovich to get going. Yeah, I mean, I'm tired of seeing him playing with his shoulder and his wrist on the sideline. I'm you still know. waiting for Boyan Bogdanovich to get going um, because Joe Ingles has had big nights. Um, you know, Don is is not going – you know, he's not a great October player. I was looking at his numbers last night. Okay, cool. Donovan Mitchell's your best player, one of the best players on the planet. Boyan Bogdanovich, is got, he's got to get going. Yeah, and I, and I think, again, you have this whole conversation of the trade deadline looming over you, right? Like, what of, which of these guys, as this season wears on – is going to be the guy that gets moved because somebody's getting moved. I mean, that's just – it's going to happen. I, if, if they stand pat, uh, I will be really surprised. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how you – I don't know how you go about this. I really don't. You know, it, it is one of those things where I think you have to figure out how you – I think you have to figure out how you go about uh, about working this rotation. Like, I'm kind of concerned about Jared Butler. I'm really surprised how much he struggled offensively. Yeah. Um, defensively, the kid competes. But I'm really concerned about how – like, they don't have a guy that's just red hot. Yeah, they don't well, have a guy that's, that's carrying the ball club. Usually that's Clarkson, but he hasn't been – he hasn't been that. And, he has and been that's, terrible. See, and that's the flip side of it. Hey, your guys haven't been red hot, but you're still 5-1. and one. And so I just think that – Listen, you got to let the season wear on, but I'm just sitting here telling you right now, the truth about the Jazz is is they're going to win most nights. They are. They're that good. And I think that it, it really comes down to the playoffs. Are they healthy for the playoffs? That's, but isn't this the same team that it was last year at it this is. point? Like, largely, based on the style of play that I see on the floor, it is largely the same team. Right now, you've got a team that, that opens the game-running offense, and then by midway through the second quarter – it's Donovan and everybody else because that's just where this team defaults to. And and it is it is a bit frustrating at times because you've got a guy like Boyan sitting in the corner waiting 
And I would say he's one of the most reliable shooters you have. So at the end of the day, I just think that this team will figure it out. Donovan will get hot. You're right. He's not an October player. Things will get figured out. But right now, the turnovers have to stop. That's something that can end tomorrow. And uh, they need to just execute better offensively. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I think right now what I would say is I'd feel good if I'm a Jazz fan because you're not playing nearly – you're playing half speed. Yeah. You're not playing your best basketball by a long stretch, and you're still winning games. Now, again, your schedule's been pretty soft. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And once Rudy Gay gets into this rotation, let's see where that what, what level that takes his team to. Yep. Um, but the trade deadline is is huge. By the way, the Lakers are still pretty good. Yep, Lakers um, are good. That's one of the things I think you're starting to see is like the trends that are emerging early in the season. Well, you kind of figured. I mean, we all knew the Lakers are going to figure it out at some point. It just they are really starting to figure matter. it out. I mean, it was just a matter of time, you know. You and I think one of the more interesting things is Russ's meltdown the other night may have really helped that team mm-hmm. uh, because last night I thought they played a, a very different style of basketball. Um, I think the Denver Nuggets, I think your, your boy, Steph Curry. Yeah. That team's starting to figure it out. Like that team. And then Clay's going to be back November, the end of November. Yeah. Some of these Western conference teams that have had easy starts. Yep. We're going to figure out, you know, like how is this, how is this helping them? Is it, or is, is an easy schedule helping or hurting? Because I look at, at. I look at the LA Clippers who have won one time in four in five games. Yeah, and, and so that's the magic of the NBA. I mean, you have like not that I'm taking anything away from the Jazz, but I think we can all agree you've played a lot of mediocre teams so far, you know? But then you've got a you know, a team what were you just saying, the Clippers or whatever? Are whoever. one in five. They're one in five. Or so, one in four, excuse me. You know, so it's like it's just this whole situation where it all ba- it all balances out in the end. And I think that this it, it will be it will continue to be fascinating to watch when the Jazz rest Mike Conley, whether it's on the front half or the back half of, of back-to-backs, yep. and what kind of dynamic that plays. And and I just think that this team, I think right now today this team is capable of getting to the NBA Finals, but the health is going to be the singular, the not singular this, thing. Not this particular Jazz team. They will need to make a move at the deadline. They will need to make a significant move at the deadline. And it'll be interesting to see who's in and who's out. Because if – like, for instance, if Boston winds up trading either Jalen Brown. If you had Jalen Brown on this team, oh my man. God. That's dude. what you're missing a dynamic wing player. Yeah. You're missing you're missing in the bogey spot. You're missing a dynamic wing player. Yeah. That's really what you're missing on this team. So um ooh, the injured one just showed up in the room. Um, but you know what? I think it'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline. Because there's gonna be a lot of teams out west that are gonna move guys. And I'm curious to see like what does Brooklyn do? Because Brooklyn is a Brooklyn team. just going to hang out. They're going to wait. Well, they're getting better and better and better performances out of James Harden now. Yeah. You're starting to see him being able to move. And he talked about the fact that he wasn't real comfortable moving. Yes. So we'll see. A couple more comments in here because then we got to get to some non-sports stuff. Um, man, the bots are out in force today. Why? I don't know. And Why? I've got most of them. I've got I've got like ten bots commenting today. Texas me. And I've got most of them. I've got most of them reported and banned. But like, terribly vexed. It is incredibly. I yeah. It is what it is. Anyway, um, let's talk about trick or treating. Okay. We live in daybreak. Right. 
And so it's just a, you, you get used to in daybreak. You get used to when there's a, like the daybreak yard sale. Yeah. Everybody and their brother from pretty much all over the valley comes to daybreak. Yeah. For the yard sale. Well, this is our first daybreak Halloween. Uh-huh. Now, Saturday night, we had hundreds of kids. It was packed. It was awesome. Mrs. Monty loved it. She decorated. It was amazing. We gave out full candy bars. The kids loved them. Yeah. Like everybody was, was like, oh, you got to go down to their house. They're giving out full candy bars. Like kids were knocking on the door asking for candy bars. Like it was awesome. It was so much fun. Right. And then last night happened and it was all of the non-South Jordan, non-Daybreak people. You're so fucked. Like there were literal panel vans, panel vans of people driving up and 10 kids get out of a van and then they drive away in another one. And the other thing that was really weird last night, parents driving around the neighborhood, following their kids. Can you not get out and walk with your kids and trick or treat? Nope. Why are you driving, following your kids? I don't know, dude. I, I, I think it's one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen. Isn't, you, aren't you supposed to walk with your kids while they trick or treat? You should. Isn't that a thing? You should. I would think you should. I mean, you know. Uh, James Knight says, you read zero jazz comments. Not cool. I'm out. Okay. Okay, cool, dude. See you later. See you later. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where you you cannot I – don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's just weird to me that you're so willing to just drive behind your kids. Like, I, I don't even know what you do about that. Yeah, and, and I also thought it was like when daybreak gets busy, the streets get really small. Yes. And, and yes. so to me, I'm like, damn, like there's so many people here. Like, what, and, and this happens with the garage sale stuff and, you know, freaking Halloween apparently. And by the way, how, so how many people did you think, you, how many trick-or-treaters did you think it'd be out on Sunday? I didn't think it would be hundreds. And I felt like it was probably 50% of what we got on Saturday night. And I feel like it was it was probably hundreds. I think there were thousands of kids on the streets at daybreak Saturday night. Yeah. Sunday, I think there were hundreds of kids on the streets because we went and drove around and looked at the, you know, the Stranger Things house. We went and drove around and, yeah. you know, looked at the pirate ship house. And yeah. by the way, how extra are you if you're doing a pirate ship house? Like I think you're it, festive uh, as F. I mean... You know how much money it takes to do stuff like the Stranger Things house and Well, they live in Daybreak. I'm sure they're fine. You know, and they live in million dollar houses in Daybreak. Yeah. So So I'm sure they're fine. But I don't know. I'm surprised that parents weren't like chaperoning their kids. Yeah, it's weird. And the other thing that was I thought was was shocking is that like these kids with swords, like they're dressed up in a costume that requires a lightsaber saber, let's say. Okay, so Star Wars. Sure. They're running up to the door and slamming the door with their lightsaber and then like hitting the ring doorbell with their lightsaber like four times. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, that's why that's why. But that's why I want to say, like, where is your parent to say, hey, we don't do that. Knock on the door, little Jimmy. Hit the doorbell button with your finger. Yeah. And then like this kid last night tries to take the entire box of candy out of my hand. Like, what are you the whole box? We should get Mrs. Monte microphone. Like we, we really should. Um, I don't understand. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Where you're, you're let your kid. Oh wait, she has a microphone. 
like where you're letting your kid take the entire box of candy out of somebody's hand. I had several of those. Like they like just go to grab the whole thing. I'm like, whoa, hey, no, just or, you know, if I told a kid, go ahead, take a couple. That's fine. But I had some kids that were just like, they were like the claw. Yes. Then they just the claw went down and grabbed the whole thing. And I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You know what? Like um, Jeremy Bolton says, I guess I shouldn't say anything about what you should do as a parent. My wife and I pawned out our kids off to cousins so we could go to the BYU game. Smart move. <laughs> Smart move. Lou Edwards says the streets are narrow regardless. Yeah, the streets in Daybreak are not. Yeah, they're are narrow not already. Yeah, and they're then not the wide clog it streets. up with 8,000 cars following their kids. Yeah, like, dude. Bro, get like, a walk. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's, it's, a lo- it's a lot. There's. I had fun on Saturday. I, I felt like Saturday was fun if it was a lot more foot traffic. A lot more probably neighborhood kids. Classic trick-or-treating. And then Sunday, I mean, there was like a land grab. Kids would see, you know, like someone would come to the door. I'd be giving them candy, and they would shout to their relatives who were across the street, and they would literally come running at you. Like, what? Dude, that's that's weird. There are several people wanting to know if you got the challenge flags yet. Oh. She did. They're upstairs, but we're going to talk. She's injured. Mrs. Monty's injured. We'll she's, talk. She's about on that. the IL right now. Um. Well, you should lift. Uh. Anyway, I just hope that there might have are, been the lifting that did that. There. What? Um. You, uh, I, um. You. Anyway. But, uh. There should be rules um, in decorum. Like. Oh, there are rules. They were broken. Next year, I'm not giving out candy on on a second day. Like I'm not doing it. It is one day, and I I don't I don't know. I don't mind that people come here like from outside of yeah, Daybreak and South yeah, Jordan, but I yeah, don't like do. it. I don't love it. Like, you know, I don't like it when they're following their kids. They bring when they drive up in a panel van and dump. I mean, people literally were just dumping people out of cars. It was crazy. This panel van <laughs> drove up in front of our house and like a whole football team got out. And it's like, damn, bro. Nice job with the power sperm, but not in front of my house. Like what? Like how many kids a can you fit into a panel van? You know? What, they don't have trick-or-treating in Sugar House? Um. Anyway. So, it was fun. And then there's the injury. Well, let's talk about something she likes. So, Mrs. Monty drug us to Dune on on Friday night. Right. She didn't really drag us. I actually wanted to see it. Dune is fantastic. Phenomenal. Is Phenomenal. Dune everything you thought it would be? Yeah. I can't wait for the next one. That's what's going to kill me. I might have to wait for part two for, like, three years, I'm sure. Very clearly, this is a trilogy. Yes. At the minimum. But I thought, number one, the acting was really good. Great cast. I thought the cast was really good. Yeah. I thought the score was really good. The music was perfect. Hans Zimmer, my favorite. Stud. Yeah, dude. actually made it go. Add add it to the stack of epic Hans Zimmer albums. Inception. Yes. Inception. Batman. Batman. Yep. So many good ones. Um. Spencer Morgan says, if only YouTube was half as aggressive of filtering bots as they are with Trumpsters. Seriously. Um, I I think Dune is fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was really. Good. And I don't remember it much from my days as a kid, like when Sting was in it. And Sting was a, a singer. And yeah, he was a musician. Yeah, he's kind. not the pro wrestler. Right. Uh, anyway, okay. the point is um, when Sting was in it as a kid, like it was. I remember it. I don't remember loving it the way I love this movie. This movie was action-packed. 
This movie was well written. Visually, it, it was awesome. It was yeah, it, it it was awesome. Um, it wasn't always like telegraphed. There were some parts that were telegraphed, but it wasn't always telegraphed. I just thought it was really good. The plot was good. Like you can understand why it will go on. It did have a very Star Wars feel to it. Yes. It did have a very Star Wars feel to it, which I think obviously you're trying to appeal to a younger audience with this movie. I loved it. I, I mean, I thought they crushed it. I mean, I agree. The Star Wars vibe was kind of there, but at the same time, you know, it was also different. You know, I, I don't, you, if you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, it's um, phenomenal. By the way, Mrs. Monty Boyd Lake says two years, October, 2023. For Dune two, are oh, you gonna make years. it over? Are you gonna make it over there, bro? She's all right. Let's go. Let's okay, talk about it. So go, ahead, go into it. Mrs. Monty and I went to the gym on Saturday because Jake was trying to get laid. No, I actually, mean he yeah, had a. Oh wait, driving, that's right. Yeah. He was out in a. He went to a car anyway, meet. So Jake decided. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, Jake decided he didn't want to work out fucking, Saturday. I need the flags. Dang it. Yeah, you do. Um, Jake decided he wasn't gonna work out Saturday, so it was me and Mrs. Monty. So it was leg day Saturday, and we did leg press mm -hmm. well i did leg press mrs monty did leg press and popped a rib okay so how did this happen get like we need details so we need apparently to explain how this it's, works. it's not entirely uncommon. uncommon it's not uncommon because the leg press in the position that you're in and with the the weight coming down right you you can overly compress your ribs okay and then they pop and it's like a sniper hits you and yeah and that's okay it. so that's what happened so yeah. she was two plates she was 225 okay okay and she was which the, is really like 250 with the slide yeah so let's call it 250 but for legs that's not heavy at all that's like, really not and she was dominating the weight like just Did crushing you think it. you were dominating the weight i felt pretty good like yeah. I, you know i i could do it but man as soon as it like it just so it just got it just went too far it just like no, I think she just probably, you know, there was probably a technique issue or just something, flexibility issue or whatever. And she went to push the weight up. It was down on her. Yeah. She went to, yeah. to push the weight up and she got hit by a sniper. She was like, oh, yeah. Like immediately you knew something was wrong. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, okay, let's it. talk about the, let, yeah. So, so, talk so it wasn't that. really an injury at that point. She just felt like a pull on her oblique. It Which was, I'm glad it's a rib, not an it oblique. It was definitely like a, it was. It was definitely the same like sniper. You're like, yo. Yeah, yeah. You but know. we continued working out, right? We did like continue we continue working out. It was still tender, but not nearly. She was. We were doing like back extensions okay. and hamstrings. You know, like hamstring stretch. So like, living with this though. So, okay, wait. So how long is this supposed to last? How long? What's the healing period here? I mean, are we talking like a long time, or what? What's the I've seen all kinds of the stuff. Six, on, it, ribs yeah. are a six-week six week injury. So this is probably two full weeks of – and this is if you – and I encourage you to do this. This is this – is, you need to go see a doctor, and you need to get an anti-inflammatory. I'm going. I'm yeah. going. It's really important you get an anti-inflammatory on this. I was very thankful. I really liked the MyChart thing because I just – MyChart's phenomenal. Lay, laying in bed, I was able to open it up, make an appointment for today with my regular doctor and – yeah, Good I'm job. telling you, if you don't use U of U Health, with all due respect to the others, U of U Health is spectacular. The MyChart app, the 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 availability of service, um, it's excellent. Yeah. So, what are you what are you thinking that you've injured? What do you think you did? I think you probably just, I think you probably just have a car or a cartilage or a, yeah, rib tissue issue thing. Yeah, 
I don't think it's it's broken. I think it's just no probably the the cartilage. I I mean I really hope it's not an oblique tear because that stuff will put you out for no a you're months. not you're not but I don't think that's no. what it is. It's where it is. It's a rib thing. It's not a it's not an oblique thing. Yeah, which is good. Okay. So you're gonna wind up getting an X-ray and you're gonna wind up getting getting some anti-inflammatories, which is good. Greg Hawkins says sound like side stitches. Yeah. Um, you know, just don't go. <laughs> Boyd Lake says, just don't give up being a dual threat with those ribs. It's a Jaron Hall blast. It's a BYU blast right there. Well played. Using a lightsaber to ring the doorbell is safer for from COVID spread. Stop. Stop. Beating on my ring doorbell was with not With a lightsaber is not. The no. coronavirus. No. Tanner Plummer says, Jake, Monty, random question. Do you guys like Star Wars? I do. I do. I enjoy Star Wars a lot. Yeah. I Mrs. Monty, you're a huge Star Wars fan, right? Yeah, I yeah. love Star Wars. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars all day. See, I love Star Trek, but it just doesn't have the same like action appeal yeah. uh, as this as Star Wars. Does. The new Star Treks have been fun, but I eh. like the new Star Wars overall. Eh. What's the father's name in Dune? The actor who plays the the uh, I cannot think, but he was in Star Wars. Um, can't remember. He his was name. also in Star his Wars. His name is Braxton. Yeah, please. Thank you. Um, Jim Brown says the Star Wars vibe is there because George Lucas used Dune to base Star Wars on. Is that right? Oscar Isaac. Is that his name? That's Oscar his Isaac. Yeah. Oscar yeah, that's Isaac. a very good actor. Uh, Star Wars came out before Dune. Did it? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I just think uh, it, it's fantastic. That's all I can say is that it's fantastic. It really, Dune is, if you haven't seen Dune, and by the way, I, I know we got to run here pretty quick, but. Can I just tell you how nice it is to be back in a movie theater? That was fun. And the Megaplex does a great job. They, especially in their VIP theaters, you have so much space between you and any other human. Um, you know, like it was just, it was, their prices are outrageous for food, but we don't eat there very often. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really nice to be back in the theater. Yeah. And I hope that we start getting. You know, I hope we start getting a regular release of of mega movies because this is well, the second Dune one. is crushing it. I mean, Dune yeah, is, Dune is dominating, is lighting it. But up. we saw No Time to Die, James Bond, awesome, movie. which was awesome at the Megaplex again. Dune was exceptional. I thought it was really, really good. Um, so Dune was written in 1965. Boyd Lake says, okay. um, Greg Hawkins says, love the premium premium seating at Megaplex. The chairs at the Megaplex, fire. Um, and it, now this is probably way TMI. But I feel like I've I've lost inches, so the chair at the movie theater is more comfortable. Um, probably. Like it is more like those ones in the the luxury VIP though. They'll they'll tilt you back, and you better oh, really like the be movie because if not, you sleeping. Yeah, yeah, the the leg extension with the chair. So how much did you sleep during Dune? I didn't. I loved it. I was that. Into okay, it. good, good. By the way, by the way, uh, Brylark good- says Dune book was out in '65. Star Wars came out in '77. And good call. I didn't realize that it the book came out before yeah, Star Wars. Good call. So good call on that. Um, you know, it, it's been we went clothes shopping this weekend because we're getting we're renewing our vows in Maui um, in 23 days. We're renewing. <laughs> I'm not counting down or anything. We're renewing our vows, so we went clothes shopping, and it was actually nice to to like fit into clothes that are much smaller than I have been wearing. Yeah, I gotta go get my little linen outfit, apparently. Yeah, and don't forget your Jesus walks in. Yeah, um, you know that's a big boy reference. But yeah, it was nice to like go clothes shopping, and 
we had a great weekend until Mrs. Monty pushed out and got hurt. But other than that, it was, you know. Just and, so you can go to you know pound town. After she got injured, we walked all over Park City. We went up to Park City. We went like we we did all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's always the day after where it kicks your ass. Yeah. How did you sleep with the bad ribs last night? All right. I mean, I, I just didn't move much. Yeah. Because when you move, you're like. Uh, honestly, Jake looks like he's lost some weight, too. Greg Hawkins says. Yeah, you know. Is what it is. I bet Alex Caruso designed the luxury VIP seating at the Megaplex. Jeremy Bolton just won't get off of Alex Caruso. And mm. by the way, I'm not saying, just saying, he played a big role in beating the Jazz the other night. Just saying, but not yeah. saying. You know. You know. Um, why did they filter that comment? Somebody asked what you benched, Jake. Uh, why does that come up every time we talk about losing weight? By the way, by the way, just saying it's on a Twitter feed. No creatine this weekend for all you steroid haters. 225, 10 times. Oh, and, and by the way, 105 pound dumbbells. Yeah. Yeah, no creatine this weekend either. I'm back on the juice today. Yeah, me too. There are people who actually believe creatine is steroids. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not, not steroids. It's not steroids. No. Anyway, I guess that's it. Anything else to add? A week, from, a, you know, a week from now, our snowboarding trip will be over. Dude, you're being such an ass about that. Why do you have to keep saying that? Don't forget we're off Thursday and Friday because we're going to Mammoth. Sorry for getting salty, but honestly, it's 1 a.m. here in the jazz. I love the jazz interaction. Aww. He's in Australia. Well, Joe Ingles played a career high minutes on Saturday night, and they lost. You know, Patty Mills sucks. What do you want me to say? Ouch. Ouch. No, I'm kidding. Joe did play a season high in minutes. Go ahead and play the music on that. So note. he was seriously upset that we didn't. Yeah. Jazz are good. There's not much to talk about. What's there to talk about? You know? Okay. All right. Yeah, good talk. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Awesome weekend on the audio podcast. Just say to Alexa, hey, Alexa, play the Monty Show podcast. Okay. And she'll do it. Uh, or just search The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. While you're here, give us a thumbs up and say goodbye, Mrs. Monty's Ribs. Goodbye, Mrs. Monty's Ribs.